All right, let's go ahead and turn to your Bibles this morning. We'll be in John chapter number 15 this morning. John chapter number 15. You may recall a couple of weeks back, Pastor Dustin had brought a message on Sunday morning to our graduates. Uh, again, he had taken a, a container and filled with a variety of different things, asking if it was full, and it seemed like each time he was able to put something else in there uh, because it wasn't full of everything. Now, this morning, I want to use that same type of illustration. I have a glass this morning. It's actually a plastic cup. Is my cup full or empty? Before you answer, I will tell you this is a trick question. So there's a lot of times you stop and look at this and like, uh, it's empty. But it's actually, it's full. You, you guessed it right. It's full of air. What can I do to get the air out? I can't shake the air out of it. There's still air in it. I can't take a vacuum cleaner and, and suck out the air because it's still going to have air in it. What can I do to get all the air out of this? You've got to fill it with something else. So if I take water and fill it, it is now empty of air, but it's full of water. Our lives are just like this cup. A lot of times we are filled with things that maybe we didn't pour in there. But our lives can be filled with a lot of different things. And it's a matter of what are we allowing to fill our life. You know, we often, I don't know about you, but I think back to different songs like, Fill my cup, Lord. Let me pour that back in there before I make a mess. Fill my cup, Lord. Lift it up, Lord. Again, what am I doing to fill my life with what God wants? Too many times I think we focus on what I want in my life. What is, what is it that I want? What is it that I need instead of what God wants? God says, I want to fill you up with my joy. As we look in our text this morning, that's exactly what it's being reflected to and pointed to about being filled with His joy. Not with our joy, not with what we want or what we like, but to be filled with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look here in, in John chapter 15. We'll begin reading in verse number 11. The Bible says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy... Notice there, my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be fulled, might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you that you love one another. In this verse, we find verse 11 again, as I mentioned, it points out that it, it, it's the Lord's joy that we are to be filled with. But what is it that will help us be filled with God's joy. What is the one attribute that we can look at oftentimes and think of what God would want in our lives? That attribute would be love. The love is, is something that needs to fill our lives with. Uh, again, the love, love call, covers a multitude of sins. Our love can, can help us and guide us through a, a variety of situations. But if we're not filling ourselves with God's love, then what have we got? 
It'll be easily filled with the world's hatred. It'll easily be filled with the complaining, as we talked about in Sunday school and the adult class. Uh, we're so easily to be drawn over to the complainers and the negative things of this life that that's what we'll fill ourselves with. So it's important that we understand filling ourselves with God's love. But let's ask the Lord to bless our time this morning as we look at His Word, and then we'll get into the message. Lord, again, we do thank You for all those that are here this morning that have given of their time, Lord, to, uh, again, worship You, to exalt You, and lift You up. And Lord, I ask and pray that You would help us to be attentive to what Your Word has for us today. Lord, there's a lot of things we could draw from this portion of Scripture. But Lord, I pray that You would help us to look at these four simple things that sound easy but are hard to to put to practice in our lives. Lord, help us to be faithful to you. Help us to draw closer to you. Lord, uh, again, just speak to our hearts as only you can today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, today is what we call Friend Day. We've kind of labeled it that, hoping people would invite friends to come and be a part of our service. And uh, again, you may have uh, tried to invite some people and, and they may not have shown up. And it can be discouraging at times to, to, to stop and think, well, I invited this person or I invited that person and they didn't show up. But again, we've got to be faithful to do our part. Again, as we talked about this morning in our adult Sunday school, God has given us a, a certain set of rules. And I know people don't like to hear that today, uh, especially dealing with religion, because religion is all about love, God is love, and everything's free-flowing, easygoing, and, and things like that. But God gives us rules in every aspect of our life throughout Scripture. And many times we don't stop to take time to look at it and reflect on it. But it is our part, it is our responsibility to go out, to invite people to come in. We cannot make anyone get saved. We cannot make anyone sit here and listen and focus on the message of Christ. Our responsibility is simply to invite. Hey, why don't you come? Hey, why don't you hear the message that, that God has for you? That's the whole reason that we're having promotions such as Friend Day. So people will invite, so people will come. And again... The reason we do that is because of love. We do it because we love God. God, I love you. I want to be faithful to you. I want to follow your commands and what you've called me to do. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to invite people because I love you. There are other, other areas that we may know people that uh, we love and we want them to come to be a part of our service. We love them. We want them to understand what God has done for them. There are some that need to hear the message of salvation. There are some that need to understand that God loved us so much that He died for our sins. So there's a lot of aspects that we can look at with this uh, idea or under the umbrella of love. But the whole thing that we need to think about this morning with what we're doing is all done out of love. What is it that we love? What is it that drives us because of love? Again, we find in our text here that joy is what will bring us if we love. There are four areas related to love that Jesus gives us that will help us fill our lives with joy. Four things this morning that I want us to see from our text. Number one is the edict of love. The edict of love. We find this commandment given here in verse number 12 and repeated in verse number 17. We are to love one another. I understand that there are some people that are hard to love. There are some people that are hard to even like. 
But again, that's what God has called us to do, to love one another. How can we do that? How is it that we can love that person that we, we can't even stand to be around? How is it that we can love someone that we may not even know? We can do it through Christ. Again, Philippians 4.13 tells us I can do some things through Christ. No, His Word says I can do all things through Christ. So again, we are to love people. Stop and think of what the Lord Jesus Christ went through when He came to this earth. He was rejected by His own people. He was falsely accused. He was beaten. He was spit upon. His beard was pulled out. A variety of things we can go back through Scripture and look at and understand that finally He was crucified. Why? Because of love. He's given us that example that we are to follow, that we can do all things because He has shown us what to do and how to do it. We can love that person through Christ. We can love one another through Christ. We can love that sinner that we work with through Christ. Again, there's a lot of things we can look at at that example. And even though we may not agree with, with who they are or what they are, they may not agree with us, we can still love them through Christ. You know, there's a lot of people that have a variety of different stances and different ideas and thoughts and beliefs, but that doesn't mean we can't love them. There are some this morning that are, are, are not celebrating the victory that we talked about uh, from the Supreme Court. Does that mean we're to hate them? No. There are some people that do not agree with our stance on same-sex marriage. Does that mean we're to hate them? No. We're to love them. Again, others can argue our theology and everything else, but we do it because of love. I believe many Christians give Christ a bad name because they don't understand the full counsel of God with this idea of love. We're to love our neighbor as ourself. How much do you love yourself? Oh, well, I, you know, I'm not that kind of person. How much do you love yourself? Think about it. You took a shower because you want to take care of yourself. You put on clean clothes because you want to take care of yourself. You feed yourself because you love yourself, right? We love ourselves whether we want to admit to it or not. And that's how we're to love our neighbor. You know that person that has those loud parties that, that drinks alcohol like a fish? Yeah, we're to love them. The people that live under the bridges outside of town that don't have a home, we're to love them. Is that what Christ called us to do? Oh yeah, we, we love the ones that, uh, uh, that think like we do. We love the ones that act like we do. But we can't say we love everyone. But that's what the example God has given us. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. He loved everyone. He didn't say that for God so loved the independent Baptist that only went to church on Sunday and Wednesday and, and was faithful to all the other commands. No, he said for God so loved the world. That's what we're to do as well. We're to love others and show God's love. That type of love, stop and think about this, is a costly love. Again, John 3.16 tells us that God gave His only Son to die for our sins, to die in our place. Paul wrote this way in Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave Himself for me. He loved me enough and gave himself that I would have eternal life. Have you stopped to realize what it cost for your salvation? Yes, we understand and we say it all the time that salvation is free. It's free for us because it doesn't cost us anything. 
But it cost our Savior His life. But yet we flippantly throw it off saying, well, it's not that important. It is that important. Ask somebody that's given their life for this country. And they will be some of the most patriotic people you'll ever meet. It's the same way with God. It cost Him much. It is a costly love. We also understand that God's love is a constraining love. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then all are dead. What does this verse mean? What is it talking about, this idea of constraining us? It's the love that Christ has shown us that holds us together. The doctrines that we believe from the Word of God that every sinner needs a Savior. That's the reason we invite people to church. That's the whole idea behind having this uh, day of friendship. Uh, again, to be intentionally inviting people so they can understand that there is a love that has brought us together. You know, we didn't come together just because we wanted to. If you were to look about uh, all the different people that we have in this building, the different backgrounds, the different beliefs, the different ideas, the different likes and dislikes, you would find very few that have things in common. Except one thing. One main thing. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Our love for Him and His love for us has brought us together so we can worship Him and exalt Him and lift Him up. God's love is not only constrains us, but it also is a continuing love. You're here in John chapter 15. Look back at verse number 9 with me. John chapter 15, verse number 9 says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Jesus here is speaking, of course. He's saying, we're, we're not to stop. We're to continue. We're to, to show that love all the time. To other people. Just because someone used to attend our church doesn't mean we're not to love them anymore. Just because they may not even attend church doesn't mean we're to shun them or push them off. We have to continue to show that love to other people. This is our command to love. No matter who they are, what they've done, what their likes or dislikes are, but we are to love one another. And it's hard to stop and think about. It's hard to put in practice. But that's the command that Jesus has given us. We are to love one another and not stop. The next area we find is the example of love found in verse number 13. The example of love. Look at verse 13 again with me. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. This, of course, is the ultimate example of love. Jesus Christ laid down His life for all of mankind so we could receive the forgiveness of sin. Salvation and reconciliation are so important to God that He would send Jesus to die in our place. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8 is a familiar passage that many of you know. So, but God commendeth His love. That word commendeth means demonstrated. He demonstrated His love. It wasn't just a word. It wasn't just something that He talked about. He showed it. He demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't the fact that you changed your life. It wasn't the fact that you changed your ways and then God loved you. No, He said, I loved you. I've demonstrated my love before you got saved, before you changed your life, before you changed your mind. I loved you. But yet we're waiting for other people to change before we love them. That's not the example that we've been given by the Lord Jesus. Jesus, again, is a perfect example. 
We don't just talk about loving. It's not just something that we think about. It's something that needs to be demonstrated. He demonstrated that sacrifice on the cross. And our society has become so selfish that most people have no idea what sacrifice is. And this begs the question, those of us who are saved, what are we sacrificing to show God's love? We should sacrifice our service to others. Again, Jesus gives us the example in Mark chapter number 10. You can turn back there if you would. Mark chapter number 10. Beginning in verse number 42. Mark chapter 10. Verse number 42. says, And Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, You know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles, exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so, ha but so shall it be, not, let me try that again, but so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your ministers. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give us, give his life a ransom for many, we are to demonstrate great humility as we serve others for the cause of Christ. Loving others is more than just words. It's more than just saying that you love someone. Love is an action verb. Love is to be demonstrated. Love is to be shown. Love is, it, it goes far beyond just an emotion or a feeling. It is something that we are to prove through our actions. But again, there's a lot of people that don't think about that. They don't do that. They don't want to put their love in actions. They just want to say it and make themselves look good. We are to show the love of Christ, not the love of the individual. A humble spirit and loving others is what needs to be shown in the life of those that profess Christ. That's what He showed us. That's what we need to demonstrate as well. And it's something that this world needs to see more and more. Stop and think about the homes that are in America today. The problems that they have to endure, the, the distresses that are on their lives from a variety of things. This is why we need to show them love. We need to be the demonstrators of love. Because many don't understand love. Many don't know what it's about. So it's important that we show them love. That sacrificial love is one that also needs to be in a spousal relationship. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ sacrificed his life for the church. Husbands, we are to do the same thing for our wives. And I'm afraid there are many marriages today that are failing because they have the idea of everything focused on themselves. They have the mentality that marriage is a 50-50 proposition. All I have to do is give my 50%. If they would just give their 50%, everything would be fine. But that's not a marriage. A marriage is one person giving 100%, the other person giving their 100%, all at the same time and working together. It's not your job to worry about what your spouse is giving. It's your job to worry about what you are giving. You are going to be held accountable for your actions, not someone else's. But yet, marriages are, are failing every day because no one wants to give. No one wants to give more than what they're supposed to. I've given my much, this much and that's all I'm going to do. Marriage goes far greater than that. This is why wives are to submit 
according to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. They don't like to hear that word. And men, we don't like to hear that word sacrifice either. But that's exactly what Paul was trying to tell the church at Ephesus here to do in relation to our marriage, is to give, to sacrifice, and also to serve one another. But we can also see that as believers we are to sacrifice and worship. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Worship requires sacrifice. This morning, you have sacrificed. You have given up your time to be here this morning. You could have been somewhere else. You could have been out enjoying this cooler weather, whatever the case. You could have gone somewhere else. You could have given time to that. But instead, you sacrificed your time to worship this morning. Many of you have sacrificed giving offerings this morning to God. Some have given their sacrifice of talents to teach classes, to play instruments, to sing, or whatever the case may be. Giving of that, again, is a sacrifice shown in worship. Those are examples that we are to follow. Again, the Lord Jesus Christ sacrificed so much for us. But yet, what are we doing in return? Are we following that same example? Our worship is something that's important. Our worship needs to be part of that sacrifice, of that example of love. You know, there's a lot of people that will look around the congregation this morning that will mimic other people. You are an example, whether you want to believe it or not. People are watching you. People are going to do what you do. If you don't believe me, go back and watch the kids in the back. And they will mimic certain people. I want to be like this person. I want to be like that person. So you're an example whether you want to be, want to be one or not. But next we find is the extension of love. Extension of love found in verse number 15. Look there with me again. John 15, verse 15. It says, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all these that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Jesus mentions here in verse number 15 that we are not servants, but we are friends. As we journey through our Christian life, we are to be an extension of God of His grace, of His love, of His mercy that He has shown us, we are to show that to other people. So when we go out and share that message and share what it is God has done for us, it's not us, but it's Christ that people need to see. What is it that we do as an extension of God in our lives? You know, everything in our church should be an extension of God. We have a, a, a time of, of worship which is an extension to God. We have a time of Sunday school, which is an extension of God's love. Again, we want other people to come. We want other people to understand and know what the Bible teaches, what it's all about. We have a variety of classes for each age group, so again, it's on an appropriate level for their understanding. We do that so people can understand what God has done for us. Uh, again, it's something that we may look at and there's going to be people that say, well, there's, there's no mention in the Bible about Sunday school. You're right, there's not. But if you were to go back and look in biblical times, as we understand the New Testament was written in, you would find then and in the Old Testament that they daily studied the Scriptures. They daily taught their family about the Scriptures. The Bible was important to them. And again, it was taught continually in their homes and in their families. 
The church has simply picked up where other people have left off and picked up where they have neglected to continue to teach and train uh, their families. Again, we're to, to be a light of God. We're to extend God's love and what He has shown us in Scripture. That's why we have Sunday school. That's why we have Sunday night. That's why we have Bible study on Wednesday night. So we can be in the Word and understand it more. So we can apply what it is we hear in Scripture. Again, all these are an extension of God's love. And that we are to do that. We are to mimic that. We are to show that. You know, there's nothing more than, than people, uh, nothing better than people getting saved. There's nothing better than seeing the, the baptismal water stirred where people are again professing their identity with Christ that they've accepted Him as their Savior. I would love to see our baptismal water stirred again. I would love to see people come to the altar and, and ask for salvation or get saved in Sunday school, saved after the church, whatever. Those again are the extensions of God that we are to perform, that we are to do. I want to see our building filled with people that love God that are excited about His Word and, and serving God. We shouldn't be here just because we're going through the motions. We should be here because we love God. We want to know more about Him. That's the whole point of coming. But you may ask yourself, who is it that's supposed to do all these things? Who is it that's supposed to be that extension of God's love? Well, our final point again, shows us the area where the Lord shows us that we are the election of love. Number four this morning is the election of love, found in verse number 16. It says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whosoever or whatsoever ye shall ask of my Father in my name, he may give it you. Jesus is speaking to the disciples here that remains... And he's letting them know that he has chosen them to serve. Understand that this morning. He's not choosing them for salvation. He's choosing them for service. If that was the case, we could go back and look in John chapter 6, verse number 7, where Jesus answered them and says, I have not chosen the twelve, and one of you is the devil. So would that be the same thing as being chosen for salvation? Again, there's a lot of people that have this idea of election that there's only a certain select that are saved by God. And that's not the case at all. Again, earlier in John chapter 6, we find that there were many other disciples that decided to turn from Christ and go back to do their own thing. This was not the idea of salvation, but that of service. Why else did God say, for God so loved the world? If it was not for all of mankind. Why did he say that he was not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance if he didn't mean it? All means all, right? We kind of understand that, right? All means all. So when he says he wants all to come to repentance, that means all of us, all of mankind, everyone he wants to see saved. This shows his election and love and salvation is not just for a select few, but for everyone. This is the election of His love. And we are to go and to show that love. That's what verse 16 says. Look back there again. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should, what? Go. Our love for God should not be demonstrated just to those in this room. 
God's love should be demonstrated and go much further than what's in this church. It should go out into the city, out into this country, go out into other places around the world that they can know the love of Christ. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 reminds us that we are to be witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's the point of what we do with supporting our missionaries. We are to give that money. We are want them to go out on our behalf to spread the gospel message everywhere. Wherever God has called them, we want to be a part of their ministry. Help them to do that. And we can't physically go everywhere around the world. But God says we're to do this everywhere all at the same time. Physically, it's not possible for us to do. But if we support those missionaries, if we help them as they go out and spread that good news, then we are obeying that command that has been given to us by God. Stop and think for a moment about your support for missionaries. Do you pray for our missionaries? I hope you do. Can you name them by name? Do you know what country they're in? Again, every Sunday night we give a report. We want people to hear about those going out into other fields and spreading that gospel message. Matter of fact, tonight we're going to have another missionary that will be with us tonight. So I encourage you to come back and hear where God has called him. But what are you doing in supporting of those missionaries? There's a lot of people this morning that do not give financially to help support missionaries. But that is a God-given command that we have been called to do. To support those that go. To help spread that good news. You may be here not knowing what that even means. Pray and ask the Lord to show you what it means to support those missionaries financially. Have questions, ask them so we can understand, so we can all grow and know what we're to do. But again, I believe it's a God-given command to us to support them as they go out and spread the good news of the gospel message. But not only are they to go, but we are to go as well. God has placed each one of us in a job, in a neighborhood, in a place where we can give that gospel message. So we are to go. But also verse 16 says this, that we are to gather. It continues on, it says that ye should go and bring forth fruit. Now, we can't make anyone get saved. We understand that. Salvation is up to the individual whether they accept or deny the Lord's leading of salvation. But it is our responsibility to take that message of Christ to them. We can't go unless we make it a point to go. We can't gather unless we continue to go. And that's exactly what God wants us to do. We can go. And do what God wants. Now as a church, we can go and do a lot of different things. We can go and have a baseball game. We can go and have a basketball game. And we can say, hey, we're going. We're following God's command to go, aren't we? But that's not what His command says. The reference here of the spiritual fruit is the fruit of repentance. As Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 8 says, Bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. We must go and gather as many as we can so they can hear and understand the message of salvation. We go, we gather, and we are to give. Again, verse number 16 continues. It says, And whatsoever ye ask in my Father, in my name, he may give it you. When we pray in the name of the Lord, we are asking that His will be done. We are wanting what God wants. I've seen some great events that different churches have put on. And there's nothing wrong with events. I, I'm, I'm grateful for them. But many fail to give that message that God has instructed us to give. 
This is why we have this on the back to remind us. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. We are to go out. But not just to go out to say we've gone out. But we are to go out to give that all-important message. That message of love. That message of salvation. That's what the world needs to hear. That's what God has commanded us to do. We are to go and share that message of love. Jesus wants us to fill our lives with His joy. And to do that, we must understand, first of all, there's an edict of love, a command of love. We are to mimic that example of love that He has shown us. To be an extension of God's love through the local church and the ministries that are performed here. And to know that we are the elect of love. God has chosen us to do His task of giving that message. You know, it could have been very easily. He could have called the angels of heaven to come down and say, it's your job uh, to spread the gospel. But He didn't. He left that responsibility up to us. Those of us who are saved, that is our job, to spread that good news. So how can we have joy? How can we be filled up with joy? Understand the love of God, what He's done for us, and what we are to do in return. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads this morning, close your eyes, and think about this idea of being full of God's joy. Not just our joy, but His